You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's now time for our main event. Take a trip back in time to the golden era of the wrestling world with your host, Chris Tetrold Blaine. Welcome to Once Upon a Turnbuckle. Welcome to another very special episode of Once Upon a Turnbuckle, and I'm thrilled to be able to welcome another special guest and another heavy hitter from the British wrestling scene, number one, Johnny Rose. How are you today, sir, of tonight? Very good, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, that's all right. That's all right. I've been looking forward to this one. And um, I, I, I'll kick off by saying, you know, thanks to Cayman for kind of initiating it in a way because he has mentioned you a couple of times when you know uh, when we've been talking and I know there's a particular um, incident that the reason this came to be um, that you that you you share an experience with so we'll come to that anyway a bit later yeah but um yeah thanks for me he he sort of looked us up didn't he so yeah good on him yeah, yeah, he's always good. I mean, he's I, I I keep dropping his name into quite a few of these. I think because lately he has been instrumental in quite a few of the guests that I've that I've had on. I'm sort of you know I'm not mm. following him around or anything, but he he's certainly sort of got connections in a lot of places. Yeah, he, so, he, he, he seems to know everybody, doesn't he? He's he everyone's does. friend. He is blessing. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't help but like him, can you really? No, <laughs> he is, he is. But we're not here to talk about Cayman. We're here to talk about you. So, um, I, I the, the way that I like to open these things up um, for anyone who's seen or listened to one of these before is I'm really interested to know how um, people got into wrestling, where they're even back to when their interest first started. So, going right back to when you first discovered wrestling as a fan, if you were a fan before you got into it, sort of when, when did that occur? When did you first sort of find out what wrestling was? I guess I was about eight years old, seven or eight. And I used to watch it. I used to stay at my nan and granddad's at the weekend. Right. And, you know, the ITV stuff on a Saturday afternoon was on. Okay, World of Sports. Um, yeah. yeah, it was after, like, World of Sport finished in sort of 85, 86, whatever it was. But it was it was its standalone ITV wrestling show sure. at that yeah. point. Yeah. And um, my granddad saw a poster in the town for, I grew up in Worcester. <laughs> and he saw a poster in the town. It was live there, and it was uh, it was April the eleventh, nineteen eighty seven. I still oh, got the program. To my this third, day. Ber- my third birthday. Was it? <laughs> yeah. There we go. Um, and he took me there, and uh, you know, I, I was just buzzing to see the people that I see on TV, you know, in real life. Yeah. Um, but come the second match, I was in tears. I remember the 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 show vividly, like match for match. And the first match was was brilliant. It was Kid McCoy against Danny Boy Collins. Okay. And it was nice, sort of like lighter weight, sort of rolling around doing pretty sort of reversals and that. And I thought, oh, this is nice. Yeah. And then the second match was big heavyweight, you know, people like proper laying them in. So it seemed. Um, and I cried, and I was like, I don't like this anymore. (laughs) And my granddad said, like, I've I've paid the money, you're staying. Right. And the next match was Big Daddy, and when I saw Big Daddy come to the ring, and all the kids were rushing towards him, and the, the just the, the atmosphere in the building, and the cheering, and the just 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 being there and part being part of that was amazing. And it was seeing Big Daddy come to the ring. It wasn't the wrestling that drew me; it was him and the the, the character that kind okay. of drew me into wrestling. And from that day, I was hooked. That's that's quite so for a, for a first experience getting to see Big Daddy. Uh, that's that's quite impressive. You know, yeah. you, may, you may as well go in at the top as far as British wrestling goes, you know, if you're going to... Yeah, a lot of people knock him for his ability and, you know, what he was like backstage, I don't know, you know, I've no, I didn't know the man, but um, 
he was the biggest name in all of British wrestling. You can't fault him for that. He put yeah. bumps on seats, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think y- you don't even need to be a wrestling fan to know who Big Daddy is. No, I've said this before to people. It, he was on the front cover of, you know, TV Times and these magazines and things. Yeah. He was on Tiz Was and kids TV shows and mm. talk shows and This Is Your Life and all that. You, everybody knew him regardless. He, he's, the, he's the British Hulk Hogan, isn't he? He is, yeah. I mean, there's, there's two names that are synonymous, really, with British wrestling. Again, even if you weren't really into it. And um, like for years and years, even now, I think when when you talk about British wrestling, obviously moved on a lot since that. But you yeah, know, I, I mean, any, anyone over the age of say maybe forty, it's Big Daddy Giant Haystacks, maybe Kendo Nagasaki, just because he had the mask on. I think yeah, sort of stood out because of that. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, he's he's always he's always Big Daddy Giant Haystacks in that order. Yeah, yeah. I I missed out a little bit on this. I um when I got into it, obviously I got into the American stuff. Uh, late eighties, mm. early nineties. Um, the, the British for us, I, can't, I don't even know if it was on, still on ITV back then. But I wasn't really exposed to it until. Yeah, eighty eight. It finished. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. No, it was just before I started getting into it then. So right. it's, it's a shame, really, not to. I mean, I'm appreciating it now, but I can yeah. imagine. What YouTube's like a beautiful it. thing. It is, isn't it? Yeah, let's let's be honest. I think that's that's one thing that's really changed the industry. You've got so much. You're able to delve into so much, even the historical yeah. stuff now. Because the history is there. You think. There's, there's no reason not to know your history with that kind of, you know, no, the internet around. That's it. That's it. So, so going on from that first show, then, is sort of you know getting hooked into it. At what point was it that you then decided for yourself? I mean, we all grow up wrestling fans. We all kind of want to get in yeah. the ring and think we can do it. At what point was it that you seriously started thinking, I, I, I want to do this? Um. There came a I worked at Butlins for a year mm-hmm. in 97 and there was wrestling on every Tuesday yeah. and I was always sort of first there still I was 18 years old at that point still a massive kid at heart you know yeah. still such a big wrestling fan and every week was the same four wrestlers and every week they were doing the same things right you know that guy lost in exactly the same way last week. <laughs> Why didn't why didn't he work that out? Like, why did he do it again? What an idiot. You know, so it was that point there, it was that year. You know, I was 18 years old. A lot of kids I'm sure would have clued up far earlier. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it was that point there that I knew it was a bit hokey. Okay. okay. You know, otherwise they just you know, he got backdropped doing exactly the same thing two weeks in a row. You know, and then it was three weeks in a row. I was there the whole season, so every week was the same four people it, doing the same four things. Is this the danger? So the, same of, thing. That the danger of having it at somewhere like Butlins is that they they just um, rely on the fact they'll probably have a different crowd every week. Yeah, yeah. So they can just get away with the same stuff. Exactly. We, we, I mean, we did the same sort of thing years later when we did the holiday parks for Haven mm. and stuff. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was that point that I kind of worked. You know, nobody told me, but I just kind of worked it out for myself. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, I'd see them in the bar the night before together, and I thought, well, why are they not sort of punching each other in the head? <laughs> you know, like, and then a couple of weeks later, it all sort of clicked in, comes to life. But, yeah. Um, and I thought, I was only a skinny kid. You know, there was nothing to me. Mm. Um, so it, my first kind of introduction into being part of wrestling i mean i saw, <laughs> I saw a show sorry I, i'm probably branching off into a totally That's different right, no, no, go ahead um i saw a shoot interview with uh, i love my shoot interviews mm-hmm. i learn more from shoot interviews now than watching wrestling yeah, yeah, yeah. um because i love the kind of backstage stories and stuff yeah they get with bobby now. heenan oh yeah, yeah okay um it's uh, it was with bobby heenan and he said um the day you get hooked on wrestling is the day you first get involved in wrestling. Okay. You know, so. Pretty profound, but yeah, I know what he means. Yeah, it's it, because it becomes such a big part of your life. And it's not just a, you know, it may well be a hobby, but it's a hobby that, yeah, you know, every, every room I go into, I think, can I get a ring in here? <laughs> you know, it becomes such a big part of life. Yeah. You know, um, 
or you know you you see some builders with a cage around it and you just want to run at it you know it's just <laughs> like <laughs> there, there's nothing in my life that's not part of wrestling right. um and it's been that way since i was a kid but the, fir- the very first job i had in wrestling i was on my holidays and even when the wrestling was on at holiday parks and things, mm. let's say it was on at one o'clock, I'd eat my breakfast. I'd be there at nine waiting for them to arrive. Wow, okay. Um, and the van arrived, this Burnham-on-Sea, and the holiday park was called Holly Marine at the time. I think it's like uh, one of those park resorts or something now. Yeah. Um, the van arrived and they all, you know, the, these four fellas and they got out and they were emptying the van, taking the ring in, and I was just kind of there looking up and... They gave me this rope, you know, like this, you know, one of the ropes around yeah. me, round me head, and I carried it in. And I must have been probably ten or eleven at that point. So using kind of Bobby Enon's theory, I think that kind of drew me in. Like I was a fan until then, and then at that point, I'm working on this wrestling show because I'm putting the ring on, right? Yeah. I'm taking the ring in. I'm ten years old. I'm like superstar now. <laughs> and, and that's where they all start as well. Really, a lot of them yeah. say that, don't they? They start with if if you go the right routes i feel anyway you you start right at the ground level with things like that yeah i mean some of the best like bobby eaton used to put the ring up and mm. terry gordy and michael hayes and people like yeah, that yeah yeah you know. yeah they did all right yeah. um uh yeah so but my first actual introduction into wrestling itself was through a fellow called mad eli collins who was a crazy wrestling fan from bath mm-hmm. um there was a a telephone number, you know, one of these like premium rate telephone numbers yeah. called Wrestle Call, yeah. and you could ring it and it would tell you where the wrestling shows were in England that okay. week. Right. So, you know, it would be updated on like Monday or Monday and Thursday or something, Monday for the midweek and Thursday for the weekend. Mm. But I worked out that it cost me 49p a minute to ring that, mm. or I could use the telephone number that was in the program for a fellow called Russell Plummer who wrote the program and did the voice for Russell Call. Okay. So I just rang the office of Russell Plummer right. just to save me some money because I'm not paying 49 per minute, right? No, fair enough. So I ring Russell Plummer and say, where's wrestling this weekend? Or, you know, where's wrestling? You know, I worked in a restaurant at the time and, you know, I'd be off on Thursday or whatever. And if so, I was wrestling in Bristol on Thursday, so off I'd go on the train, right. you know, and wherever it happened to be, I'd travel all over the place just to watch wrestling. Cool. And he sent me to Trowbridge. It was one Saturday I was off, and he sent me to Trowbridge. Well, Russell Plummer said, there's wrestling in Trowbridge in Wiltshire. Mm. And I went there, and it was my first experience of a small show. Uh, you know, like, it seemed more independent with not names that I'd recognised on. Yeah. All the others were kind of all-star Brian Dixon shows with people yeah. that I'd seen on TV or, yeah, you yeah. know, American sort of import fellas yeah. or... When this was a, a sort of local kind of no names on in a very small community center, um, and I was speaking to Eli, the the promoter, Mad Eli, who, who like I said was a crazy wrestling. But Mad, Mad Eli, when wrestling came off TV in 1988, mm. went to the TV offices kind of thing, the studio or whatever it was, mm. and chained himself to the gates outside in protest. Well, that's how you know crazy like, yeah um he he said to me you know you know where are you from and i was like worcester do you get much wrestling in worcester and i was like well it used to be every year klondike jake used to bring wrestling there every year with his lookalikey fakes you know hmm. the lookalikey undertaker and all that yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. um but then that sort of died off a little bit it's 98 at this point um and he said, well, have you ever thought about bringing rest, uh, wrestling to Worcester? I was like, how would I do that? And he said, you know, pay me X amount and I'll bring a show in. And I was robbed. Yeah. You know, he, he charged me a fortune for what I got. But right. I thought, OK, so I found myself a little venue and, you know, paid Eli some money and he brought a show in. And so that my first real sort of introduction into the wrestling world was promoting wrestling. Uh, OK. That's but, <clears throat> I'm not putting the show together hmm. because Eli did all that. It was a terrible, awful show. Right. Um, but, but and it cost me a lot of money as well. But I did two of those through Eli, because you know I really enjoyed the first one, and I, it wasn't a dead loss. I made a few quid as well. Mm. Um, and then we tried another town about six or eight miles away, a couple of months later, and then the following year, 
I'd sort of watched a bit more wrestling and got a few contacts myself through other people. So I kind of put my own thing together then in 99. And that was when I started training with John Brown, who I'd met through Eli on the first show. He's getting very confusing. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) On the first show that Eli brought in, um, the referee was uh, a guy named John Brown. Um, So he started training me a little bit. He wrestled as like the ninja or something okay. in the mask because he was knocking on a bit. But so to cover his mask, but he was still really fit. And um, so it was just to cover his sort of aging looking face. Right. Okay. Smart. Um. So he, he started training me. And then sort of by 99, I wasn't ready by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought, well, it's my show. I can do what I want. Mm. And um, I did. And it was, it, it was, I was terrible, but that was my first match was at that point there okay. in 99. But that was after after promoting and I'd refereed some for a couple of other promoters okay. um, locally, sort of Birmingham direction and uh, Kidderminster and, you know, not, not far from home mm. and emceed a few. Cause I'd always fancied, you know, announcing a little bit. Yeah. You really sort of cut your teeth through everything. I mean, when you were doing all that, like the, you know, the, the, the promoting side that, was there still this burning desire you wanted to be in the ring, or did it? Is it just something that came naturally that you just? Decided? I don't think it had ever had been a even a consideration for me. Okay. I just wanted to be part of wrestling. Okay. I never thought that I could. Um, and probably people watching probably think that I can't. But each <laughs> um, to their own. You know, it, I've because I was so skipped, there was literally nothing to me. Mm. I thought if it would have been 10 years before, you know, when there was the weight divisions and the like, yeah, yeah, I could have been this sort of lightweight guy and got away with it. Mm. But by that period, late 90s, you know, we'd been through the big man thing. It wasn't quite the, you know, we'd seen the Shawn Michaels and the Rey Mysterios yeah. and that kind of thing, but I wasn't that by any stretch. No. Um, and my wrestling mind kind of changed. It's, it, it, I had one direction in my mind, and then it, I had another. Like I wanted to be British wrestler man, you know, doing wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And then a couple of weeks later, I wanted to stick pins in people's heads. And then <laughs> a, a few months later, I wanted to be, you know, Tracy Smothers dancing. You know, <laughs> it, it, it would depend. It, it took me a while to find my niche. Yeah. Uh, and to find where I was comfortable. Um. Because I I didn't think I belonged in wrestling until I felt until I felt comfortable, yeah. you know. And it took me probably ten years or more before I felt comfortable enough to be you know get the confidence to yeah. do it. Yeah. So what what is that is that persona then? What what was that um, that you felt most comfortable with? Um, a lot of people see me as lazy, okay. but I see myself as using psychology rather than the wrestling. Okay. You know, yeah. Listening to a crowd and working out when's the right time to do something. And if you don't have to do something, I'm not doing it because, you know, okay. why sweat when you don't have to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I learned from, I mentioned Tracy Smothers just, and I spent a lot of time with him on his UK tours. Okay, cool. Um, he used to stay at my house and I'd drive him around places and, you know, he helped me too because I'd get a lot of bookings through that. You know, if I was yeah. with him, then they'd use me. Yeah. Um, but just being around him, you'd soak it up and you'd he'd watch what you do and he'd be like, Well, why did you do that? Well, I can. Well, yeah, but you don't need to. Yeah, yeah, but I can do it though. So why wouldn't I do it? You know, well, just he's, do that next time or do it another time. You know, he's someone that really you would. I, I with me growing up, I, I knew of him, obviously, you know, when he was with WWF and uh, WCW and everything. So I don't think mainstream wise, he really got the recognition he deserved. But I guess Not spending time with him, he's someone you really would just learn from because, yeah, he's been. Yeah. He, he would talk wrestling all day long from the minute. He wakes up till the minute he goes to bed. It's a wrestling story or yeah. some form of education. And you don't even have to sort of you take it in without even knowing you're taking it in. Yeah, yeah. And this is like I don't know what it is. Fifteen years later, and I'm still thinking, oh yeah, it's something you said there. And you do it without even realizing. Yeah. But it's it's through that, and it's other people like some of the British boys. Um, 
I wasn't quick when I was young. You know, I wasn't athletic in any way, no. but I, I'd move too much or my feet would be in the wrong place or, you know, something really that you don't even know you're doing wrong and nobody would know unless you're the trained eye. Yeah. But to the casual wrestling fan, it just makes you look that little bit stronger. Yeah. So you'll stand in a certain position and you'll stand there for 10 seconds instead of the eight seconds that you did. And you think, what, what difference is it going to make? Yeah. And then when you put it into real life, it really does make a difference. Okay. You know, it's like, like I said, a lot of people think, oh, you know, he's just do, he's standing there because he, he can't do anything else. And that might be true. I'm not, like, <laughs> like I said, I'm not athletic in any way. And I'd much rather just stand there and have people cheer for me like Big Daddy did that day when I saw him. Okay. But, um, it seems to be working. Yeah. Whatever. It, I, I can't pinpoint what I'm doing exactly, but it's working. It, it might. Um, it worked back then. You mentioned Big Daddy. I mean, yeah. All those years ago, that's the same kind of thing that he did. So I mm. mean, maybe it's a British wrestling thing. Maybe it's just the charm that you've grown up with. That's in. Yeah. You know. And I think in some small towns around England, wrestling is pretty much a novelty, isn't it? Yeah. You know. Yeah. I know there's, there, there seems to be a promotion in every town, mm. but once you're out of the bigger towns and you're in the smaller ones, mm. it's more of a novelty. It's something you see like twice a year rather than yeah. every month. So yeah. Yeah. I like the casual wrestling fan rather than those sort of oh, internet yeah. ones that like the flips because I, I, I can't do the flips. <laughs> I, you know, I, re I really like what they do. Yeah, I really do, and I wish I could because. Yeah. I'd almost definitely be doing it if I could. Um, <laughs> but I can't. So I think even on those flippy type shows, I offer something just a little bit different. So on the show, then they've got a buffet rather than a plate of the same thing. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've watched, I, I don't watch a lot of the, the televised wrestling. I haven't done for a while. But what I have seen, it's, it's impressive for a couple of minutes. But then, yeah, when mm. the entire match or the entire card is made up of the same thing, I, I would switch off. Um, it's not, I grew up with athletic types. Again, you mentioned Shawn Michaels. He was one of my heroes when I was growing up. Um, it, they did that kind of thing when it was necessary. It, it wasn't, every, you know, there wasn't a high spot, literally lining yeah. them up and sort of, as I say, telegraphing them. You could tell where they're coming from. Um, so no, I, w I would, I would probably, you know, I would be one of those fans that want, you know, you have the match, which is a real sort of mat match. You have one with the high flies. You have one with the bigger guys, which is slower. It just, it brings back that old sort of old school charm to me. Yeah. You know, Wrestling goes back to the circus. And in the circus, they had, you know, a juggler, tightrope walker, trapeze, you know, clown. Every form of entertainment. If you don't like the clown, in three or four minutes, he'll be gone and there'll be something else that you might like. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, if it was just an hour and a half of, a woman on a trapeze you'd be like yeah, i've seen it now swing swing flippy yeah. flippy done you know <laughs> it, you mix exactly. it up and it's all right yeah. it's all good yeah. but, uh, going back to that high spot that those high spot things have always been that's always been a thing right mm. but in one of the greatest matches ever is rick flair and ricky steamboat yeah that yeah. hour-long match that they did i think it was like 89 yeah they're three um, yeah three classics in a row didn't they that year yeah really yeah. good um, but the hour-long one was basically a headlock. Yeah. At the right time, they did something. Mm. Then there was a headlock. Like Ricky Steamboat got the headlock back on, and they were in that for four minutes. Mm. They knew exactly when to go again based on the reaction from the people. Yeah. You know, when the timing was right, they had a breather, they're ready to go. Yeah. Away they go again. 30 seconds of something nice, headlock back on again. Yeah. Right. You know, like, uh, but nobody called that lazy because no. it's Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat, you know? So, no. And I liked, I, I must admit, when I was growing up, the hour long matches were, or the 45 minute matches even, they were a lot to kind of, they were a real test for my um, attention span. Yeah. But then you get it done right and you find actually you can't look away because, yeah, even at that pace, you'll, you may well miss something. You yeah, know, it's edgy of seat stuff. You think, right, yeah. they're in a headlock now, but something's going to happen, and yeah. it builds, and it it's like it, it feels like when the when the, the headlock is on and they're they, they're on the mat, the headlock takeover thing, they're on the mat. It's like going up on the roller coaster. Yeah, and you know, you know, when you get to the top, you're going to come down, and the excitement yeah. is going to start. 
Yeah. But that's the headlock. It's going up and up and up. And when it gets to the top, whoosh, and then it. they're doing the, you know, the, the sleeping and the leaping and they're away then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, one of my favorite matches um, ever is the Ironman match at WrestleMania 12 with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. And yeah. The fact they, they went an hour without a decision, without a fall, I thought was brilliant because you built the drama there. It, everything in that was perfectly timed. Yeah. And, it looked so natural and smooth and, and then, just, it, it was, it was a beautiful thing to watch. A few years later, when you're having say triple H and the rock in an Ironman match and they're like, someone wins seven falls to six or something. There's just, there's way too much going on. Yeah. Really to, you know, for the, the I tune off them for the opposite reason. It's just, you know, what's the point? You know, there's then, no drama. You the seven, when you say seven falls to six and it, that's in an hour, Mm. when they would wrestle each other in a normal match that would be 25 minutes long and it'd just be one fall. Exactly. Where did where did all the other falls just exactly. suddenly appear from? Yeah, like, exactly. There's no psychology or thought through, you know. No. I overthink everything, though. <laughs> I, 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 I think I'm on the same page. I think it's just what you grow up with, really, isn't it? You appreciate different yeah. things. Um, I think, you know, the generation growing up now, they've depending on what your opinion is they have got a great product to choose from they've got so much to choose from but it is it's a mm. different world than than what i grew up with and they'll appreciate different things you know they'll probably go back on the network and watch stuff that you know, from the 80s 90s and find it boring but yeah you know, it, it's it's a totally different sport yeah. and it's not i'm not saying it's i mean i do say it's better then but it's only better for me because i watch you know that's what i'd like that's what yeah. i grew up on and that's you know what i'm accustomed to yeah. Um, I mean, are they better? That they're better bodies now. They're better That's athletes it. now. That you yeah. know, it's just it's a subjective thing, isn't it? it You've is. got to watch wrestling through subjective eyes because it's the same as anything else. Music is the same. You know, you don't like every band that ever existed. No. You know, you're not going to like every wrestling that's ever existed. No. You know, no, everyone. Everyone's got the style they appreciate. You know, and. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't feel there's enough of the variety. Everyone seems to be the same kind of build, yeah. ability. They're doing the same kind of things. You may get some differences with some of the smaller guys. They can do a bit more, but I don't know. Yeah, again, harking back to the circus. I just keep thinking about late, eight, late 80s WWF when you had Hogan the Warrior, Earthquake, then you had up against yeah. the Monsters. 89's a massive year for me as a fan. Because it was my first introduction to WrestleMania. I was at school and my friend Mark Watton said to me, did you watch WrestleMania? I didn't have Sky or anything. No. You know, we didn't have any money. So he said, did you watch WrestleMania? And I, I was like, no, what's WrestleMania? I didn't have a clue what it was. And he said, I'll bring you the video. Next morning, there he was with the video. Right. Um, and I'd always seen the, the, the bits of TV that I'd seen of the American stuff mm. was from late night ITV sort of stupid o'clock in the morning on like a Tuesday yeah. or Wednesday. Yeah. They'd have like an hour of wrestling on and I'd tape it before school, you know, that, that night. Yeah. And then it's the only day that I'd ever get up early to watch it, to, you know, <laughs> early for school. And I'd watch that before I go to school. Awesome. Um, so I'd go home and watch this WrestleMania 5. It's the first time I'd seen a whole wrestling show from the same building of American oh, okay. wrestling. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the wrestling challenge or whatever that was shown on ITV. Yeah. It was like a match from here and a match from there and a yeah. match from here. You know, um, so yeah, it was like it was all in one building, it was more than 45 minutes long, uh -huh. and there was wrestler against wrestler rather than wrestler against you know, some dude that's just there to lose. I don't like yeah, the term, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was competitive, I'd never seen anything like it. No. Um, I knew the WWF was a thing, like I said, because the, the wrestling challenge and all that that was on, mm. um, that to me was American wrestling. There was, there was two types of wrestling for me as a kid. Yeah, there was American wrestling, which was WWF, nothing else. Didn't even know anything else existed. No. And British wrestling was what was on TV and that I'd yeah. seen, you know, in the halls and stuff. Yeah. And then, so I don't know, I've rambled. Sorry. That's right. And then um, <laughs> the late night wrestling thing. Uh, I used to. I did. I didn't go and buy the newspaper because that cost money. But I'd go into the news agents, look at the TV guide because it changed times every week. Right. So I'd be like, right, I've done at 2.40 this week in the morning, you know, go back home, set me video recorder. Brilliant. And then one week it said in the newspaper TV listings, NWA wrestling. 
What's that in? You know, I've no right. idea what end of. I thought it was a spelling mistake, right? Because like, I didn't know what NWA was or anything like that. Yeah. And then that week, it was totally different wrestling. Mm. And the first NWA match was on Anderson and Great Muta, oh, which again wow. changed my life. And now I realise there's more to wrestling than yeah. that American and that British. Yeah. You know, it opened up all new doors. Yeah. And then they started changing the late night wrestling every couple of weeks. I saw all sorts then, you know. Right. There was one called the Global Wrestling Alliance, which was Dean Malenko's dad's promotion. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, Boris. Yeah. Uh, it had Norman Smiley and uh, the Malenko brothers and yeah. all sorts on there. Um, there was ICW, which was the Savoldi family from like, New Jersey. Okay. Kevin Sullivan and uh, the Sheep Herders, you know, became the Bushwhackers. Yeah, they were yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. Old rerun from a few years before. Yeah. Um, also, literally, like, random, sort of just random wrestling tapes they seem to find in a warehouse <laughs> that they just thought, oh, we'll throw this on. Wow. Um, and I didn't realise wrestling was as big as it was and yeah. just blew my mind. And you just want to know more then. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And now I've got all these videos everywhere. i was gonna say i have i've peered over your shoulder and i've recognized this is how sad i am i recognized a few of the spines from my day when i had um obviously the collection coming out of my ears mm. have you have you got a favorite out of that collection? um uh, uh, yeah i've got i've got like go-to ones you know if i've got like a couple of hours on my hands yeah yeah and like just the ones that i know i'm going to be happy and i don't have to skip skip any uh, one is fan favourites. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, Brooklyn Brawler and Coco Beware is the first match on it. Yeah. And I can't believe that... any fan would ask to see the Brooklyn Brawler. But <laughs> I know. clearly they did. Yeah, I remember yeah. that video. I got bought that. We went to, I was, somehow I was off school sick, but I was out going to the shops with my mum. Can't remember exactly why. She went to a charity shop just down from where we lived and I picked up like three wrestling videos in there which saw me then i was brilliant i just went home went to bed and that was one of them and so is that the one with mr perfect and tito santana on the cover yeah 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 you can't go wrong with them yeah they're brilliant yeah i've got another one the very first wrestling video i ever had was a british one it's called the mick mcmanus world of wrestling oh i've seen yeah i've seen that uh, that's proper you know that's always going to be top of my list because it's the very first one i ever had I came out of school and my granddad picked me up one day and he gave me this video as I got in the car. And I was like wrestling on a video, what is this? Wow. Um, <laughs> and, and my third one is uh, Ringmasters. It's the Great American Bash from like 1985. Oh, and it's edited okay. down into like an hour. It's only sort of highlights of the matches, okay. but it's Pro Wrestling Illustrated brought it out. Gordon Soley and Bill Apter are hosting okay. it. It's, yeah. it's fabulous. They're my, they're my top three. Awesome. But I could, I'd, I'd literally watch anything, good or bad, because yeah. you know, even bad wrestling is good in my opinion. As long as you put the effort in, there's no such thing as bad wrestling. As long as you put in the effort in, that's true. It's going to entertain someone, isn't it? That's the thing. Ooh. If it's not you, so so go, going back just just quickly into your your career with wrestling. So, are there any particular? Um, any particular matches or moments in that that you've been involved in? Anyone that you faced in the ring that really sort of rates high on your, your you know, your your top moments as a as a wrestler yourself? Um, there's several boxes that are to like bucket list boxes that I ticked. Okay. You know, um, wrestling scrubber daily was one because he was in the tag match against. Big Daddy that first day. Wow, that's cool. He was on the opposite side. Right, okay. Um, yeah, it was Big Daddy and Andy Blair against Scrubber Daly and, and uh, Lucky Gordon. Um, and I've wrestled Scrubber twice now. Yeah. And I can call him a friend now as well. You know, he's, he's someone that I really admire and he's a great human being. Uh, so that was a big tick off the bucket list. You know, I can't do the Big Daddy thing. No. You know, I get that, but that's as close as I'm going to get, and that's good. That's good by me. That's you know, I, I could be the big daddy that day. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the way I saw it. Yeah. Um. Uh, Danny Boy Collins, I wrestled yeah. him in 2009. Um. Probably one of the toughest matches I've ever had as well. Right. Proper workhorse. 
uh joey legend yeah rates really highly for me because the day i wrestled with him i didn't feel well at all right. and he still made me look amazing <laughs> that's important um, isn't it? working with the right people yeah yeah like it wasn't hard in any way for him or at least he didn't make it look hard i'm sure it was but you know he didn't make it look hard and he was just he was great um one of the best matches i've ever seen it's got him in it um joe legend against uh mike sanders okay who was in wcw yeah but yeah. that was from uh, the world wrestling all-stars on a pay-per-view okay. amazing absolutely amazing uh pay-per-view from scotland i think okay really good okay, cool. um uh tracy obviously yeah because i'm the biggest sort of southern wrestling fan okay you know, southern american wrestling fan yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've always been a fan of the sort of Smoky Mountain thing and all that. Yeah. So I, I wrestled and tagged with Tracy. Um, Mad Dog Max, who's uh, I've I've probably wrestled two hundred times <laughs> uh, in various parts of the country. We went to America as well and tagged oh, over wow. there, and we wrestled each other over there, and. He's real high on the list. Too, too, like, I can't list everybody because I don't no. want to. I, I don't want to leave anyone off. No, and, and no, no. Them, you know. I'm sure they no, would. Yeah, really, but, you know, there, there's certain people that if I could pick to wrestle every day, you know, they would be on my list because I know I'll be safe and I, I know we could do it regardless of the style of crowd or the yeah. size of the crowd. You know, just yeah. just comfortable with people. With those that you've you've worked with a lot. Um, do you find you still learn from each other even after all that time, or does it just oh, become yeah. sort of automatic? Yeah. yeah, very much so. Like it's things happen by accident a lot of time. Mm. You know, I'm not the big, I'm not a big planner. You know, I see people in dressing rooms and they're like, "We'll do this and then you this and then this." I can't, I can't take that in. No, I haven't. Like my memory doesn't quite function that way. Like, I can't. I, I wouldn't be able to lay out a 20 minute match. No. Um, and I think if you're going out to a crowd and giving them chicken curry and they want fish and chips, then you know you're knackered, aren't you? You yeah, you, yeah. you can't offer them something, and they're not buying it. Yeah. So you have to kind of listen and react appropriately. Um, but yeah, the, some of the best things that have we've just done by accident, and think, oh yeah, that's a keeper. Yeah, you know, so every day is a school day. When you stop learning, then there's no point in doing no it. No point doing it. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Is um, so is there any um? I, I can see one of the matches you've got coming up is a is a, a good old fashioned chain match. Mm. So I, I don't hear of many of them nowadays. I must have. No, so it's great I, to see them still being used. But uh, I've done a few chain matches, and uh, they're always quite entertaining. It's not. It's it's a relatively easy thing to do as well. Mm. Um, and again, being a fan of the sort of southern, it was quite a big thing the Memphis way, and yeah. you know, Smoky Mountain had a few. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, Tracy Smothers and the Dirty White Boy had a a couple of chain matches that were pretty brutal. Yeah, I don't think this one will be quite that brutal, but um, <laughs> they won the famous. You know, one, one the old school most famous ones I remember is, is Roddy Piper and. Greg Valentine. Oh yeah, that was savage, that was, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. really was quite wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Starcade '83, wasn't it? I couldn't remember the year actually. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, the very first Starcade. Yeah, the, the the chain match thing we've worked it. The you know could we it, the same place every month, so yeah. you know you have to keep it fresh. It's like you yeah. know obviously you can't do the same thing every time, so no. it's just a way of offering something different as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and he beat me last time round with a chain, and you know, yada okay. yada. Just like fitting, you know. Yeah. Just makes sense at this point. If you looking um, forward to it. If you've got any any other sort of wacky matches that you have been involved in, you know, either gimmick matches or anything where something odd has um, happened. I've done cage matches and. Being, I mean, I'm more of a traditionalist, so that uh, uh, you know, I've never been a sort of hardcore kind of, no. you know. Well, we create through the 
promotion that I've, I've run. Being, again, going to the same place quite often, you have to think of sort of wacky, wonderful things. Mm. Uh, we have this guy called the Oscar, right? So he's all decked in sort of gold outfit and he oh, looks hi. like the Oscar, you're right? <laughs> awesome. Um, this is going back a few years, but we created him being from Hollywood or whatever, you know, the Oscars bound to be yeah. from Hollywood, right? Yeah. Um, the, the, we created this match where the loser had to be put in, well, like a, you know, like a casket match style. Yeah. We have to be put into the casket where this you had to be put into a suitcase, right. zipped up and then walked out the building. You know, so the match ended when you walked out of the building. That's amazing. Stupid, crazy, wacky, but oh, I found it funny. That's amazing. <laughs> it's not something you find on TV. That's what I like no. when I go out. You know, if you if you just see something that's replicated that you've seen a hundred times before, it gets a bit naff, doesn't it? <laughs> that's yeah. Like, but, I mean, to anyone that maybe hadn't seen the build-up to it, it's, it's probably just stupid. But if you were there the month yeah. before or the one before that, it probably would have made sense. So. Yeah, yeah. But even though, even if you just there for that one night, that's a hell of a memory you'll take away from that. Like, yeah. <laughs> you'll be yeah. Having, having someone stuffed in a, <laughs> in a suitcase, wheeled yeah. out of the building. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you want to prove to people that wrestling isn't what they have in their mind, then it is, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you're never going to know what people actually have. You can't, you can't, if you're not a wrestling fan, you're never going to, I don't think you'll ever understand. No. Like, and I've had people say to me things like, you know, wrestling is not real. And and there's no way you can fight that because if yeah. you tell them that it is real, they'll be like, nah, of course it isn't. But then if you tell them that it, it isn't real, they'll go, yeah, but it's got to work, isn't it? You know, it's like you, you're you never going to win. No, you know, there's, there's always going to be people that are against you. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... It's, it's, I was quite, I was about 10 years old when I first heard someone say to me, I think it was my dad, um, you know, it isn't real. And I was watching the Royal Rumble 94 at the time, it's still up here. And I was like, on the stuff, oh, yeah, yeah, of course I knew that. And I was just watching it then, and the rest of the show wasn't the same. I was just mm. like, really? You know, I was looking for stuff almost, but then obviously over the years, yeah, you, you get wise to, they're a lot more open about it these days, which I think is one reason why the industry has changed so much and the attitude towards yeah. it has changed so much is, is people look at it a lot differently. Um, where WWE are taking themselves off in the cinematic or they, have, yeah. they were last year in the cinematic route, probably a bit too much for my liking. But I guess when people have got that kind of attitude, it's like, well, we know it's not real in a sense. Okay, we'll, mm. we'll run with that. Like, I, I don't defend that real thing anymore. I used to be very, oh, if it's not real, come and have a go. Ah. You know, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. When, you know, I, I defend wrestling when they, when they say wrestling's a load of shit. Oh, sorry, yeah. I don't know if I'm sweating. <laughs> no, no, carry on. Don't worry. When, when they say things like that, you know, I, um, I kind of defend the honour of wrestling mm. as still being, to me, it's the greatest... It's, it's still a sport to me. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's, it's still the greatest sport, entertainment, whatever you want to call it. It's still the greatest form of art, whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever you see it as. Yeah. It's still the greatest that thing to me. Mm. And I'll always defend that. Mm. But I, you can't defend that real thing anymore. No, I mean, there's too many people within it that have, you know, you pick up any biography now and as fascinating yeah. as they are, they just blown the lid on that, and they really and you know, the the only thing you can do is try and make them believe just for that little period that they're there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It works. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it when they go too phony. No, you know, it's still got to be believable. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why when I was growing up, because I've been exposed really to to the. This is going back to what you were saying earlier: two styles, American and, and British wrestling. Yeah. Um. I felt really uncomfortable with the British wrestling. Um, Stephen Regal went over to WCW and as, apart from his character being one that I really didn't like, his style just, I, I was uncomfortable watching it because it was so different. But looking back on yeah. it now, it's like, well, that is, he was actually probably the purest wrestler that was. Yeah, that he's, he's that just night. being a wrestler. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just not what, at that point, it's not what you saw most of. You know. mm. it's, um, yeah, it was, it, 
I, I, I sometimes don't even blame the. It's not the fans watching's fault. It's the, it's the people that are putting the product out there. Yeah. Because it's them that train the, the watchers, isn't it? It's them that yeah. train the viewers. Yeah. Yeah. You just need to. I think that they're used to seeing a dance now, and they've become adept to that. They're, you know, they're, they're used to that. Sort it's, of it's impressive. Like, I, I won't take away yeah, from oh, what yeah, these totally guys can great. do. It's, it's really brilliant. Um, I was watching, yeah. I watched something, I think it was like a AEW clip or something, and it was a great little sort of well-put-together thing, and it was maybe four or five minutes long, but there was like somebody rolled under something and then they leapfrog somewhere and flip over something. No mm. one's actually touching anybody. No, that's it. No. And the whole idea of the game is to touch somebody to get them on the floor, surely. Yeah. You know, unless I've got that wrong. I don't know. But, you know. As far as I was aware, the whole idea was to pin someone. Yeah. And you can't do that unless you touch them. <laughs> so I watched like four minutes of them not touching each other, but rolling around each other. And I yeah. thought, that'll do it for me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I was I, I was the same. I um there's one one British guy, again, I've mentioned him a lot on this show to, to people I've I've spoken to. The one British guy I really am impressed with over the last few years is the villain, Mark, Marty Skull. Um yeah. I got his DVD for Christmas and I was sat here and he, there was a few matches on there with Will Ospreay. Individually, absolutely brilliant. Their matches were very entertaining, but the first four or five minutes of it was just them kind of crisscrossing. Yes. Yeah. Each other. It's like you know yeah and that, that way they run and then they just step to one side and go whoop yeah like i, I just don't understand I don't, no, no i don't get it but but they're very successful so they i are. can't knock them for it absolutely you know, and that's you know that's the, that's that's the vast difference between my old school wrestling mind and their very clearly successful yeah. you know yeah. that maybe that's where i went wrong i, don't, I just didn't <laughs> quite get it <laughs> well this is good on them this is going to be one of the questions I was going to ask, actually. So in particular, you know, you you obviously discovered wrestling through through the British wrestling at the time. And that's what you were you know, first exposed to um, being involved in it yourself as well through the roots that you have over the years. What's the main difference that you've noticed within the British wrestling industry sort of from then to now? Um, rules. I'll be the first thing that comes to my mind because yeah. with rules, wrestling is really easy because you can break them. Yeah. So you can have villains, right? Yeah. So I don't think now it, it's very hard to work out who's the goodies and who the baddies are. Sure. Whereas years ago, you turn your back to the referee and you punch someone in the head. You're a massive villain automatically. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, know I mean. split a finger, you know, is illegal. Right. Yeah. People knew the rules mm. because they were enforced. Yeah. Um, that's the first thing that springs to mind because it, it rules just made wrestling so much easier. Yeah. When now, if you're a villain, you have to pretty much saw someone's head off with a chainsaw before you get taken seriously. Like as as a as a badass, yeah. you know and then I mean? probably half right. the crowd thinks it's amazing. Yeah, you know, so they'll be cheering. Yeah, you you'll probably get like shouting the letters of the promotion out. Yeah, but right. you know the um, the speed of wrestling. I mean, there's always been the quick ones, mm. but the speed of wrestling is everything's like you know, like yeah. fast as lightning. Yeah. Um, but if I if I could make rules a thing everywhere I go, then it'll be amazing. It'll make my life a lot easier. Yeah, true. Yeah. As a baby face, you just sell, and as a villain, you just do that bad thing, you know, a couple of times and people know. Is that is that the reason you think then as villains you've had you've got to have some kind of over the top gimmick to outwardly be recognized as, yeah. as a villain straight off? Um I think you know, if you've got to be loud, you know, and brash and yeah. again it depends on the crowd, doesn't it? Yeah, but most places I go are that casual sort of family wrestling crowd, mm. so it's very traditional in those places. Yeah, you know I, I don't go all over the shop anymore. You know I've got I run a pub and you know I've got real life in the way. Yeah, and it happens eventually, doesn't it? I d I didn't think there'll be life after wrestling because <laughs> you know it was uh, I thought you know I, I need to do this every day like I used yeah. to, and and now I'm quite happy just 
doing the odd one every other weekend or whatever. It's, it's not so. so much life after wrestling. It's just like you've kind of just steered wrestling around what life's yeah. become. You know, it's always going to be yeah. like Because like, I, I always thought, oh, you know, you're a part-timer now. You're you're going down the pecking order. Yeah. But it's... Okay, it's just you no. do, do what you enjoy. That's it. And, you exactly. know, I've... October, this month, I'd have done maybe six, which is, you know, more than normal, to be fair. But, yeah. you know, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, well, why not? You know, you get some guys like, I don't know, I don't, again, don't watch it, but Roman Reigns, what, you pop up once a week, does like four shows yeah. a month. <laughs> yeah. I know it's more than that, because he's doing more than that in between. But from I'd, I'd, be very, I'd be very happy with the bank account. But... Oh, quite, yeah, wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? <laughs> Anyway, before um, so we're, we're, we're getting into sort of the, the tail end of this now, I'll have to start winding it up in a bit. So I, I will need to sort of wind it back to the uh, to, to, to the man who helped sort of put this together. So let's bring Cayman into the mix. Um, your um, sort of how, when, why did you start working together? And, 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 and then there's a particular memory involving a pink Vauxhall Nova that I want to touch on. Um, I think I first met Cayman. I went to uh, an NWA Hammerlock show in Cardiff somewhere uh, with a prom- well, someone that would become a promoter in Wales. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of looking for wrestlers. Okay. Um, so went there because it was local and, you know, see it was about, and it was him that I saw. And I thought, you know, he's got star potential, this man. You know, he's tall and he's stocky yeah. and long hair and he just looked like a you know kind of like a half bearded Kerry Von Eric Welsh type okay. you know <laughs> he's kind of it was like, you couldn't quite describe it but he just had that star power to him okay yeah you know and he was green as grass don't get me wrong but you know he had that sort of draw just yeah. something drew me to him yeah and yeah I pointed him in the, the direction of this other fellow and um, and then Celtic Wrestling started and I was quite a big part of that for a long while and anywhere in South Wales that you went came up was there yeah. and at one point there was like four or five promotions in South Wales so most weekends I was down there doing something right. and uh, yeah he's been a keeper must be 15, 16 years or more wow. yeah. and uh, he, he comes out he retires and then <laughs> three years later comes back for one and then just, you know, retires again, and you'd see him for one or two, and but he, just, he seems to be back now for kind of long term. I don't know. Yeah, that's 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 what he says. Well, I mean, he's got that belt and he, so there's going to be a lot. I've been yeah. talking to a lot of the the, the Carnage guys recently, sort of getting to know them. So, um, yeah, I, I I can imagine he's got a big target on him. So uh, he's got his work. Yeah, he's out. a good one. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, yeah he's one a, of the, a very ge- very genuine man. You know where you stand with him, and you know. He's, yeah, and he's always happy. He lights up a room with his smile. Yeah, I can get that. I'm a big fan of his podcast. That's kind of how I, um, how I came to know him, really. And mm. you know, um, you just, you just, it's infectious, isn't it? When you, uh, when you watch yeah. him. But uh, we won't gush too much. We, you know, I don't want to inflate his head too, too much. So, but, but yeah, just one funny story he shared um, when I had him on my show was, um, was to do with. Uh, he was wearing pink. Was there a was there a, a crowd chant that went up? Um, who's the wussy in the pink, pink, pink? There was, yeah. Um, yeah. He was he was like once a year. My promotion go to a, a, a club called Haverley Club in Kidderminster, and um, they specifically ask now for Cayman because he's the wussy in the pink, pink, pink. <laughs> so you know they don't know him by name, but they know he's the wussy in the pink, pink, pink. Love it. So, right. Yeah. He's uh, quite a well-known figure in the Haverly small um, council estate in Kidderminster area. <laughs> and does he wear pink for the occasion? He does, yeah. Ah, it's, it's terms and conditions. It's in the ah, contract. Love it. <laughs> love it. That's brilliant. No, no. I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was quite looking forward to seeing, you know, pictures of him at the Carnage show when he won the belt with the pink. But, yeah, he did say it a clash with the... The strap there you go so he went into that show thinking he was he, you know he had sights on that belt anyway so yeah he must have known yeah well who knows? who knows but anyway so before before i let you go um just fire a few kind of 
almost like quick fire questions that I've I've kind of built up that I like pelting at people. Um, so I guess you know we, we've discussed sort of you, you grew up the old what I call old school, um, same kind of era that I kind of grew up with and appreciate. Is there? You mentioned the event that that, that you you first sort of discovered WWF into WrestleMania five and that is there one event or one match from that kind of era that you um that that is right up there on the top of your list as a um as a fan that you would always want to watch um yeah and when i say well one of the names in it will probably make you go but the other one is is probably top of most people's list but that late night wwf tv show Mm -hmm. uh that i used to record um, someone gave me, um, a fellow called David Ike, who lives in Stourbridge, he gave me a, a couple of boxes of old videotapes, and he used to record them at night as well. Uh, but he kept his, and I didn't. I just kept recording over the top of them. <laughs> so now I've got over that side of the room. There we go. <laughs> oh, is it? Uh, somewhere over there. Wow. Um, yeah, a, lo- a load of other tapes that, um, that have those original sort of 1988 89 wf tv shows okay. and i remember vividly from the, a lot of the matches i just kind of wiped from your memory as a kid but watching them back as an adult now you know as someone that's a bit more clued up on wrestling there's a match from the boston garden and it was early 1989 kurt hennig and he he was still Mr. P- he was Mr. Perfect, but he wasn't just Mr. Perfect. He was still Mr. Perfect Kearney. Okay, yeah. Still yeah. in the trunks rather than the singlet yeah. outfit, you know. Yeah. Um, versus Tim Horner. Okay. Who yeah. was, you know, a regular on TV and yeah. NWA and WCW and yeah. Smoky Mountain and pretty much every promotion that ever existed. Um, it's perfectly timed. It's smooth as silk. It's... It, it, it's early on the card kind of match. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. you know, I never went into wrestling to be a superstar because I grew up on watching wrestling in Little Owls and yeah. Fairs and Holiday Parks, you know. So that would, that match there, Tim Horner and Kurt Hennig, could fit into any leisure centre in England as I grew up as a kid. Do you know what I mean? It was just, yeah. Um, yeah it's, That's it's, really interesting. That's Tim Horner's not going to be on many people's. Probably greatest not. match of all time. I'm not saying it's the greatest match of all time, but it's one that really springs to mind from that yeah. period. Okay, no, that's cool. That's cool. I might sort of see. I don't know if it, if that's one that's yeah. I'll, I'll to... send it. Yeah, it's on the YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah, awesome. I'd love to see that. I I was um the f- the first video I ever had um wrestling video was Survivor Series '88. Right. Always stuck with me. That's one of my favourites even today. And yeah, Kurt Hennig was on there then. It's probably the same kind of period before he got the singlet and that. And I remember, because yeah. I've seen pictures of him before as Mr. Perfect, before I actually watched anything properly. And it spun me out that, that is that him? You know, he just looked really, I mean, looked yeah. green as anything, didn't he? But he wasn't at all. That's, um, like see, seeing him in the AWA just before he left to go to the WBF. Yeah. Matches with Nick Buckwinkle and yeah, just so good. That's that's one promotion I still haven't delved into much. I tried when I last had the network. I don't subscribe to it these days. Mm. Um, but there's so much that you can go back. It's like you know an entire promotion's history worth. And I would yeah. love to. Um, I'd love like, to I mean, it dates back to like the fifties or whatever. But and yeah. a lot of people say that it was on its deathbed, and you know, it, you know, it was mm. eighty seven, eighty eight onwards. But I think that's only. Be- People only see that old, you know, newer AWA, if you were, mm. um, as bad because it was so good in the peak. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? If if you just got this 1988 AWA without the history, mm. then it would still be perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I quite happily, I'm going on, a, I'm, I'm, we're going on holiday and I've downloaded some 1990 uh, AWA to watch. Oh, yeah. During its awesome. dying days. <laughs> watching the plane i love it oh yeah gotta go prepared absolutely yeah oh well done well done um so one of my other favorite questions then to ask is if you could it doesn't have to be i always used to say put yourself in a match at wrestlemania past present 
whatever against you ever doesn't have to be wrestlemania just if you could have a match with anyone sort of past or present that would be that you would class as your sort of crowning moment um who would that be against um again i like to keep the bar low <laughs> <laughs> Um, I always want, well, there's two people I wanted to wrestle that I never had a chance to. Um, Drew McDonald passed away, but I always really got along with Drew McDonald, big Scottish dude. Um, you know, quite a big ITV name. He was always on the sort of either tagging or on the opposite side to the daddy team. Right, yeah. Um, and just legendary across Europe. Um, and Rob Brookside, oh, okay. who now I think lives in Florida or whatever. So yeah, is, is, is he I think I've lost the opportunity he... there for both. Yeah, well, get yourself over to NXT. I think he's still there, isn't he? Is he still yeah, still I'll, I'll give him a ring too. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Never too late. Never too late. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's interesting choices. No, I like that. I like that. And yeah, um... but both there, both for different reasons. I mean, Drew McDonald was hundred percent psychology. Mm. Um, you know, a real big, nasty ass Scottish villain, mm. and Rob Brookside for his wrestling. Okay, you know, so two totally different reasons, but, yeah, but um, would be a belter. And, and I watched them against each other many times live, and it's just amazing. Well, make it triple threat. That could be ideal. So. I'll, I'll piggy in the middle, kind of arrangement. <laughs> um, so. The final question then um, is, I know every every wrestling fan's probably got theirs, but even if they don't know it, your Mount Rushmore of wrestling, who would you put up there? Oh, all right, okay. Uh, Tommy Rich. Okay, yeah. Possibly the greatest promo of all time. I love his voice. Yeah, I haven't really... I'd rather listen to him than what him to be there. Okay, so I've good. Never watched a lot of them to be fair. Oh, he's just so, he, it, he's wildfire, Tommy Rich, and yeah. you can feel the fire when he speaks. Okay. You know what I mean? You believe what he says. Yeah. Um, Dusty. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Buddy Landau. This is this is because This is I, I like this. If I if I if I could pick one nature boy, it wouldn't be Flair. It would be Buddy Landau okay. every day. 100% more more entertaining than I, Flair. I missed, I again, one I missed because my first exposure to Buddy Landell was when he graced the WWF in late 95, early 96. Mm. And he was basically used as a jobber, unfortunately. Yeah. And, oh, Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have um, he, there, there's a, he, he wrestled Shawn Michaels in uh, Smoky Mountain okay. when Shawn Michaels was the Intercontinental Champion, right? Right. They brought him into Smoky Mountain. And the promo to get him to the show was as real as any promo you could ever watch. Oh wow! Okay. You know what I mean? It, it was to turn this this big villain in the area into the baby face to go against the villain Shawn Michaels, and it was so good and so passionate, and you just believed it. Wow. I mean, so far I've not actually picked anyone that as is an amazing wrestler. It's all, but it, it's all up here rather than yeah, you know, your body I'm for me. Um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm all for that. The they're all great. Don't get me wrong. They're yeah. all great in the ring, but you know, uh, Tommy Rich, Buddy Landau, um, the other one that I forgot that I said, um, Dusty, Dusty, yeah, <laughs> Dusty speaks for itself, doesn't it? He, yeah, yeah, um, uh, and they're all southern boys as well, aren't they? Yeah, it's 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 and, it's. It's interesting and, where sort of where the influences come from, which is what I really yeah yeah. And I think the other one for a totally different reason, and that's for more of a sort of the brutality and the realism of wrestling, will be Fit Finley. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like who you speak to any sort of old time British wrestler from the same period as him, and you ask them who you think the best is, and it's either Dynamite Kid or Finley every time. Yeah. And Dynamite Kid's great, but I can't mimic that. No. You know, I can't do that. But yeah. I can be that sort of brutal dude like Finley was. Okay. Not, not, not. I mean, if I can get 
five percent as brutal as he was, that'd be quite good for me. Yeah. But Make you know what I'm real. saying? I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. like so good. Yeah. Um, and part of that Mick McManus World Wrestling video, he's on the first match. Oh, okay. So you know, he's always logged in my head as yeah, as yeah. one of the best. Very strange. You'll never get that list of wrestlers anywhere from anyone else. No, I love it. Thank you. That's brilliant. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very niche. Oh, that's good because it, it makes it, I, I really am. Yeah. When I started this off, I was really shut this, this show off. I was sharing my take on wrestling when I was growing up, my favorite moments, my favorite stars and that everyone's got their own take on it, depending yeah. where you grew up, when you grew up, where, you know, what the circumstances were that you discovered it. So, you know, that is prime example. So, yeah. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it's a very different world, isn't it? And, it and is. no one's is going to, no, 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 uh, no one wrestler has gone into wrestling the same way as the other, have they? No, no, definitely not. Might have followed the same sort of blueprint, but different, different yeah. paths, you know, different, different times. routes, different yeah, people. Yeah. Listen, Johnny, this has been fantastic, mate. Thank you so much for your time. And, and I appreciate out. it. Thank you. No, uh, before, before you go, so, um, you know, plug anything, let people know where they can find you to keep up with what you're doing, where you're appearing, shows you've got coming up. Floor's yours. Um, Johnny Rose on Facebook. That's about the only form of social media that I do because I'm a bit of an internet idiot. <laughs> um, Facebook page, HC, HCW International Wrestling. Um, the Railway Stroke Platform One is our pub where the wrestling is, and it's Oakham's premier music venue. So, if you're a music fan, get yourself to the Railway. Um, yeah, Facebook's about all I do. I don't understand all the the missus does the other things, but she keeps on about Twitter and Insta something. Yeah, I... Instamatic camera. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. I'll write a letter. I'll write you a letter. There you go. There you go. Ideal. No, I don't do Twitter much. I'm on it, but I don't really know how to use it effectively. I, I tried. I just didn't understand it. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Listen, thank you so, so much. You know, I, I feel like I could definitely talk to you again, you know, and go down these rabbit holes. This has been a, a great yeah. trip down memory lane. I haven't done this. For I don't know as I've answered any question you've given me, but. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I could no, no. Thank you. It's been a great. It's been great to get inside your head, you know, as a fan as well as a, a wrestler, promoter, everything that you've done. So, no. no thank, thank you. It's you. been fun. No, no worries. I'll speak to you again. Take care, mate. Thank you. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.